Hey everybody, this is Brian Hughes, and here with me, of course, is Tim Elliott of Third Degree Burn. Hi. Yeah. And um, before we start our show today, we'd like to just take a few moments to recognize um, our, our fallen friend, Sean Engel. Now, as you are well aware at this point, considering everything on the, the Two True Freaks website as well as on Facebook, uh, Sean passed away uh, most unexpectedly for, for us uh, uh, last week. And um, Tim and I were actually able to go and attend uh, the funeral service for him. And, um, he, you know, we had never met Sean face to face. And I've only talked to him once on a, on a Skype call where we did our, our Fantastic Four show. Um, Tim, did you ever, did you have much more uh, interaction with him directly? I'm only through emails that I had sent into the various podcasts he had been on. Uh, the one podcast, the same one you were on when we did the Fantastic Four show, uh, and just mostly through listening to him on the many podcasts that he he was on. Yeah, I mean, he was quite prolific in in the podcasts that he did, and as, as I recall, you're quite prolific on the emails that you write to the various shows. Yeah, uh, I, I got to write quite a bit on uh, Listen to the Prophets, the DS9 when he does with Paul Spatero and Andy Leyland. Uh, and that was kind of because they kind of joked that they were never getting emails. So I took it upon myself that I was going to write in an email for every episode. So <laughs> I started, uh, of course it's on high ice now because of, uh, the situation with Sean, but, uh, that was, they kind of put the call out there and I decided, well, I'll, uh, I'll give him an email every once in a, you know, every episode, but that's, I just know him through his voice, uh, from listening yeah. to him, like I said, on his podcast to the point where you feel, I felt like. I knew him. I, I, I don't want to say, I feel like I didn't have the right to call him my friend because I never had a chance to meet him. But I feel that if I did, I, we would be friends. I mean, he just seemed like just a really sweet, nice guy. Never seemed to be out of sorts. Uh, put out a great show. He always seemed to be in good spirits. And I think I would just, just be kind of a guy I'd like to sit down and just talk Star Trek, talk comics, talk Green Lantern. Uh, yeah. I think anything he was interested in. But he was always good at, 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 at what I call Facebook ribbing. Uh, if anybody had a funny thread going, he was pretty good at, at adding, adding into it. Um, and that's where a lot of my interaction with him went aside from the, uh, the, the one podcast that we did together. So, uh, you know, I mean, it was just, just a fun guy all around. Um, I, I think it's important to mention, um, that when Tim and I, uh, went to the funeral service, uh, there was a reception line and we did get to, uh, talk to his wife. And I have to say that she was, you know, when she realized who we were, she was visibly, you know, touched and taken aback. You know, she, she had nothing but great things to say about the podcasting community and the outpouring of support that, uh, that they showed, uh, when this happened. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't think she'd realized how many people he had touched and how widespread, uh, he was on the internet. That she, it seemed like she knew that this was kind of his thing he did and was kind of uh, tangentially aware of it. But she, I think you you said it right. She was she seemed really uh, touched and comforted by the fact that all these people that had many had never met Sean uh, were just pouring out all these wonderful things about him and just saw the support and love coming from him. So um, I don't think he can help be touched by that. Yeah. Well, definitely the next time I have a glass of something that's not water, I'm going to raise my glass to Sean. And I, I, I hope all of you will, too. Um, 
that being said, um, we got a great show for you coming up, a, a real special Christmas uh, show. Hopefully we get out before Christmas. Um, it'll be out before christmas that's great that's great tim i really appreciate all your hard work oh it's my pleasure all right well for the two true freaks network i'm brian hughes and i'm tim elliott thank you thank you goodbye sean he'll be he'll be missed Welcome to Third Degree Burn, a podcast that looks at the work of artist, writer, extraordinaire, John Byrne. I am Tim Elliott, and with me as always is Brian Hughes. And tonight, hello. 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 <laughs> I always screw that up every time. Every time. Every time. And with this, we have a special guest, Frank Canepa. Hello. And the with me as always sounds like uh, Wayne's World. Just wanted you to know. I think he knew that. Uh, we steal, we steal <laughs> only from the best. Yes. I see. Okay. <laughs> Frank is a friend of Brian's, and this is his. Is this your first podcast, Frank? Uh, we'll just say yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those other ones you can't talk about, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Basically. we just don't want to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, this is kind of our special Christmas episode. We have a little gift for our listeners. So we won't talk about what we're going to get into yet, but before we start, uh, Frank, would you like to give us a little background on yourself? Um, well, I, uh, I've i known Brian for a great many years. Um, we, uh, we actually attended the same high school. Um, I, I have uh, been a fan of a lot of di- different genres, and uh, I got into comics very young. Um, there was... Uh, I would say that the first comic that I uh, really felt a full, true affinity for was uh, was Spider-Man. Um, beyond that, there's been a bunch of different ones that I've I've loved here and there. A lot of different artists that I've enjoyed. One of my favorites, as Brian will probably bring up at some point, is Bernie Wrightson. So I wanted to make sure that I beat him to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now Frank is uh, is like one of the first friends that I. Uh, knew or the first person I knew that actually owned Hulk 181. Nice. And I'd been jealous of that for years. Yeah, actually, I had it on the wall until just recently. I took it down uh, because I was going to put up a new uh, new picture. Um, but uh, I have it uh, in a nice uh, mylar um, casing to protect it. You haven't slapped Even though it? It's... No, and it's and it's it's damaged. It's oh. got some damage on the on the uh, on the back. My uh, for some reason one day when 
I was very young, my mom decided it would be a good idea to uh, do a budget on the back of it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't really exhibit that side of the comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That stays against the wall. Some of those books like that, I've got from my collection. I don't, unless they're just absolutely trashed, I don't care because I just want to own it. It doesn't have to be pristine. It doesn't have to be a 9.9. Because I have uh, Spider-Man, which is my main hero. I have uh, uh, the first appearance of the Punisher, 128, correct? Wow. Right? It's not in good shape, but I traded some uh, Star Wars figures for it. Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, I I hope it was a worthwhile trade. The other day I was at a convention and I saw an R2-D2 that I had as a child, and they were wanting $834 for it, and all I could do was cry. Now, that was Mm. in the box, right? That, that yes. they wanted it that way. I mean, because you, you wouldn't have kept yours in the box, right? No, it was not in the box. But still, even if it was at a fraction of that $834 in value, I would probably still have been happy. Hmm. Yeah. Now, was was this the original action figure, the little tiny one? Yeah, the original – part of the original set of uh, action figures. Uh, I had a Luke Skywalker and a Han Solo and an R2-D2. I, it was very difficult for me to get a hold of, an, of a C-3PO um, and near impossible to get a hold of a Princess Leia. Wow. See, I had I the very first Star Wars action figure I got was uh, 3PO, and I got R2D2 and Luke Skywalker right after that. And my uh, one of my brothers and my sister and my cousin all found that you could stick like three bottle rockets up the hole on the bottom of R2D2, <laughs> and that he blowed up real good. Now 3PO, they, they had to actually tie it around the. The, it wasn't a bottle rock. It was one of those bigger ones, you know, like you see in the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Uh, what are you gonna? I never collected any Star Wars. I I had a friend that had I think everything had land speeder had had a the Jawa with the vinyl cloak, which I know is very rare. Had oh, three PO yeah. and had all of them. I just I was more into my was uh, GI Joe the full size mm. up until I found Micronauts and then I fell in love with Micronauts, so I collected those, but. Guys, I've got a, a G.I. Joe story, a real-life G.I. Joe story. <laughs> yes, that, you do. I'm, I'm saving uh, – I'm going to uh, save it for the Adventures of Indy Hugh, which is a, 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 my solo podcast. Um, and uh, it's probably going to be the first thing I put out because I want to get it out uh, also out before Christmas. So, t- Tim, you'll be hearing from me on that because uh, that's a very near and dear story to my heart, and okay. it, it, it breaks the heart. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, let's see, where, where were we? <laughs> we were talking toys. We were talking toys and we were talking Star Wars, of course, because um, tomorrow is, uh, is the actual official release of Star Wars, the force awakens, even though yeah, it's actually already been in theaters. Somewhat. It's probably being shown right now. Yes. And, um, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about what I've heard. Now I, I don't have any spoilers. I just know what, what people have said about it that have seen it. But I'm not even saying anything. I about haven't read anything. I just the, the early reviews on Rotten Tomatoes shows it's being very positive. So yes. I don't I don't know. But speaking of Star Wars, have you seen the new Star Trek trailer? I have. Yes, me and too. And I have interest. You do have interest? I, I definitely have interest. I I have forgiven many of the gaps and some of the problems in the last two Star Trek movies primarily because they are well constructed and they brought back my love of Star Trek. Uh, I, you know, the thing is, yeah, and I've made this point in other shows that if, if they had not made the villain con, 
Uh, it might have helped the story an awful lot, but there's still a, a lot of things in uh, Into Darkness that really bothered me. And it it, it, it it came down to writing. I mean, the 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 Tribble and the use of the Tribble and, you know, basically how it became the plot device there at the end. Uh, okay, I, I will definitely agree with you on that. You know, that, that, that bugged me. But um, the... There are other things that uh, I want to get into one day in in a dissection just about the battle, or so-called battle between the Enterprise and that dreadnought, whatever it was. And, you know, just how it kind of destroys the, the concept of starship battle. Uh, How's that? The way it should oh, well, be. I don't want to go into it. Never yeah, we, I, it, it's something to get into later. Uh, something definitely for, for you know, a... a uh, probably in Adventures of Indy Hughes since, but though we we might be able to bring it up when we do cover some Star Trek comics because Byrne de- does great Trek comics. Yeah, you can tell uh, he has a love for Trek. Yeah. And, uh, you know, next year being the 50th anniversary, I know that we're going to get down to have some really uh, good Star Trek-based uh, shows. Uh, I I, th- I think that uh, we, we should cover a good number of the Byrne Trek comics over this next year. Yeah, and that's, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. No, we we had planned on doing an extra one every month. Well, I don't know if that's that's feasible or not, but to cover our regular book and then a, a Star Trek book every month because he's got it just between the the Fumettis and all the other tie-ins he's done with this actual artwork, he's got a lot of stuff out there we can cover. Yeah, this is true. But speaking of fiftieth anniversary, we we looked into tickets to the big anniversary in Vegas. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> I don't think we're gonna be able to make it. Well, no, you're going to have to stay in a hotel six miles out. It's from not, well, it's, that's not it. It's just the tickets alone are one. All the, the like the gold, platinum, all the big level packages are already sold out. All they have left is silver or copper, and it's yeah. I think it's about six hundred dollars for the tickets. And that's yeah, that's, that's that a little, sounds right. Yeah, that's a little beyond. But they are having uh, one hundred Star Trek actors are showing up to this thing. Yeah, I noticed uh, in looking at like Dallas Comic Con and some of the other things that are coming up that there are no Star Trek stars in any of the the conventions in the early months of this year. It's like they've been given a moratorium on on uh, doing Star Trek stuff. I guess to well, hold everybody's anticipation for that's that. That's not exactly true because the fan days, which is coming in February, Bruce Greenwood's going to be there. Oh, that's right. That's right. I did see Bruce Greenwood on there. I just didn't see any of the. The TV show characters, you know? No, I, I haven't seen them. Well, I think Shatner was here for one show last year, but I haven't seen any of the, like, Next but, Gen or no, anybody else. Yeah, Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, Voyager, nothing. It just nothing out there. And it was, cool. it, it, I found it really surprising. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Bruce Greenwood. And, and uh, of course, he's Chris Pike. And uh, I really liked him in that. So naturally, they killed him. <laughs> well, Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> Spoil- but, spoilers for the doctors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess we should move on. And um, Frank, did you have anything else that you wanted to add uh, through your comic book origin? Obviously, we derailed a little bit there. Uh, not, not really. No, I, I, the, 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 the things that I've loved over the years would take us down all kinds of other additional ta- <clears throat> tangents. Um, but uh, yeah, my first, my first, uh, the first comic that I felt, or the first character in comics that I felt that I really associated with was was uh, was Peter Parker and Spider-Man, um, and uh, I um, have a special place in my heart for all Spider-Man uh, movies, uh, even those that might disappoint me a bit here and there. 
Um, I, I kind of gloss over some of the bad, bad parts, um, knowing that they're there, but choosing, um, to, you know, place a little cognitive dissonance intentionally on, on some of those bad parts and, and to move on. Okay. Uh, before you move on though, I've got to ask you a question and this is really, really important. Mary Jane or Gwen or Betty? Uh, Mary Jane for me. And, and not because of any of the actors or actresses, um, nothing to do with the movies, but because when I read Spider-Man, his first love was Mary Jane. And, um, I, I have this, you know, purity of, 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 of heart in my mind for, for Mary Jane. Not that I have a problem with any of the others. Uh, I, I just, Mary Jane is the one for me. I think they developed the relationship between Peter and Mary Jane a little more fully than they ever did with Gwen. I always felt that they truly loved each other and Gwen was more of a, his first love, but maybe not his true love. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And I agree with that completely. And, and, you know, Gwen's death is one of those things that's almost defined, you know, comic fans as far as the unrequited love for years. And uh, then of course they started killing everybody because they knew they could bring them back. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then getting Peter married and then getting rid of the marriage. However, they did that, but uh, they did that. (laughs) But yeah, I I agree with both of you there. Um, I always throw in Betty because there, there is every now and then someone that says they'd, they'd rather have Betty or, I even had one person say Deb Whitman. I was I was gonna say you'd throw her in there too. Yeah, <laughs> or even Felicia Harding. Or or Liz Allen. Yeah. Now Felicia Hardy. If I'd thrown that in there, everybody would have said Felicia Hardy. Yeah. At least Felicia Hardy, as she was drawn in the Kevin Smith story. <laughs> it, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now for, I was I was like, which how far along the edge are we willing to take this? That's right. So. <laughs> Before Frank gets too distracted. Yeah. Frank, where do you work? I work in the city of Addison. Okay, and what do you do there? <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt for that one. <laughs> um, I uh, I work with databases. Um, I administer, develop, and design databases. Now cool. you've been you've been a teacher too, right? Yeah, I was a I was a college instructor for for six years, uh, and I one of the many topics that I covered was database development and design. Um, taught networking classes and um, and uh, systems administration classes for um, uh, various operating systems, including Windows and Linux, and uh, did network design classes, uh, but rudimentary network design classes. And I also taught uh, Perl programming and uh, HTML slash XML with a little CSS uh, sprinkled on top. Wow. And, and you served in the Navy... Uh, Naval Reserves, didn't you? I did for eight years. Uh, our mutual friend Sean Kaufman. Uh, Praise be his name. He he uh, inspired me. He uh, in inspired me and almost shamed me at some point to uh, to join. Um, I knew that I was going to. My family, uh, my family's a military family, and my uh, I don't recall who it was. He was either an uncle or my dad. Uh, at right after 9/11, uh, I was on a phone call with several family members, and somebody asked me which branch am I joining. Didn't ask me if I was going to, just asked which branch. Which branch are you joining, Frank? Um, at that point, Sean and I had already been speaking about uh, the Navy Reserve, and I said I'm joining the Navy Reserve. Now your family's got a huge history in military service, right? Yeah, my 
my grandfather was in the in the um, in the army on my father's side, and my great grandfather was in the military on my father's side. <clears throat> I had uh, an uncle and my father in the military, and uh, on my mother's side, we've had military in, in uh, our family going back to uh, uh, the 1300s in Korea. <laughs> wow. Just amazing. Just amazing. Okay. Well, I, I mean, we could go on forever on, on all of this and I'd kind of like to, but we kind of have a podcast to get to about John Byrne. Yes, we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, for today's show, we're going to do something a little different and a little special. Um, as you all, as many of you know that uh, are on Facebook, I like to uh, troll the Burn website, Burn Robotics and uh, find uh, interesting and different pizza pieces of art that I can post up on Facebook to, you know, for everybody to marvel at, look at. Usually try to be topical or just if I see something cool. And in my travels there, I found a 30-page Fantastic Four story that's never been published truly in a comic book form, um, you know, in paper at least. Now, it did get published in um, Comics Interview. Uh, a long, long time ago. And what it is, it's an, actually a fan story that John Byrne uh, wrote and drew back in 1973. And uh, we've got on the, the Facebook page and also on Two True Freaks page uh, a link to both the pencil pages as well as the inked and uh, uh, story written pages. Uh, now, Byrne, while he wrote the story and he did the art, he did not script it. So the, the scripting is being done by a fellow by the name of Michael Bryan, I guess, who was part of the, the contest that they had there uh, that, that John Byrne put out so that people could ink his artwork and he could choose the winner. I don't know who the winner was, but I know that, that uh, the pages were done by several different people on the inks. So you can follow along with us as, uh, as we go through this story and uh, see what John Byrne was doing very early in his career. Now, at the time that he did this, uh, I think Rich Buckler was actually the penciler on the Fantastic Four, and I'm pretty sure Joe Sinnott was doing the inking. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. Well, I think uh, if it's 73, I think Basima was still, or maybe halfway through, Basima was still doing doing the inks because I, I or mean, doing the artwork. I think. Oh yeah, because he talked about Rich Buckler's art and how he said he could do that, and so he started doing this, and he did it. He said he did it in that kind of style. So, and, you know, I look at this and I can see big, huge Kirby reference, you know, uh, Kirby influence. And I can see what looks like Joe Sinnott doing the inks on it uh, compared to, you know, the other artwork that he's done. But you know, we'll, as we get into this, we'll take a look at it and, and talk about it. Um, I did go ahead and, and write a synopsis and I had to kind of cheat back and forth on the synopsis. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about that as I go along. Um Another thing I did was I actually uh, I found a quote from Byrne that I thought that was really interesting uh, because as I've been reading a lot of Byrne stuff, one thing I've noticed and uh, the Iron Man books that he wrote is a real good example is that uh, he has them put the artist's name first, whereas in pretty much every any other every other comic that's put out there they always do writer first, writer scripters whatever, then artist, inker, letterer, colorist, so on and so forth. Uh, but he's always put the, the artist before him whenever he's been doing just the writing. And oh. I found this quote and it says, all the way back to the beginning of my career, I refer to myself as a writer who draws rather than an artist who writes. Interesting. 
Yeah, you know, because I, I sit there and I think about that, and I go, you know, first and foremost, I I, I can't help but think of him as an artist. And, uh, you know, I've, I've always loved the artwork. Now, as far as the stories go, he is a great comic book writer. But when I sit there and think about the writers that are in the upper echelon, I don't necessarily put him in that top group. Yeah, I would, I'm I'm hit and miss on his writing. Uh, I think his artwork is always top notch, but some of his writing is better than other. I think his earlier stuff is better. Like the Fantastic Four stuff I think is great. Some mm-hmm. of the stuff he did later, uh, I could... Uh, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just, it's not as strong as his other stuff. I'm curious yeah. if you could uh, give us kind of a, give me at least an idea as to how old he was when he's, when he did this piece. Uh, he was 23. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So he was either finishing or just finished college and he was, you know, trying to get his feet wet, uh, you know, doing, doing work. And I, I, you know, much like, you know, uh, our friends did when they were trying to get artwork back uh, in, in the college days. It. But much like, you know, our, our friends did and you did when you were trying to get artists to recognize your work, you know, you sit there and you would do a bunch of stuff and, you know, try to show it around and, and see what everybody thought and have them give you their opinion. And I think that, you know, he did this, you know, kind of like, you know, that demo piece that he wanted to show around and say, hey, look what I can do. Well, that, right. and his natural love for the FF, I think that's his go-to. I think Kirby's his kind of go-to artist, so it's... Or that seems to be influence him the most, so he would naturally pick, I think, the FF to do a story. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the story we, we're doing is called A Match Relit, uh, Story in Pencils by John Byrne. And uh, I think, what, uh, do we have anything else we want to cover before we get into it? I don't think so. We want to take a, let's take a quick little break. We can play a promo, and then mm-hmm. we'll come back, and you can give us your synopsis. How's that? That sounds great. All right, we'll be right back. to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. Oh no! What will we do now? R2D2 found a cigarette! Well, I don't think smoking is grown up at all. Oh, don't be so ridiculous, R2. Underoos are for earthlings. <laughs> all you need is a little rewiring. The children need to be fully immunized. I'm Jawa. Want to buy a droid? Show me what you got. Wampa, wampa, wampa! We picked up something. It's the Millennium Falcon. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Growing up Star Wars. Yay! Offer expires May 31st, 1980. And we're back. All right, Brian, well, I'm going to hand it over to you and you can tell us what we're going to be talking about. Okay, uh, as I said before, this is uh, the Fantastic Four, a match relit. Story and Pencils by John Byrne. Now, I did as best I could to write the synopsis based on the pencils alone. And from time to time, I would go over to the uh, the inked one to read the script and kind of get an idea of what was happening. Because it just, for the most part, the pencils really tell a good story, but you, 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 there's not enough to give you everything you need to know. 
And at one point, I basically had to completely depart from the the pencil pages to go to the uh, the other ones because it was, you know, as as the end of burn stories have a tendency to get, there's a lot of exposition towards the end. So uh, here we go. <clears throat> a match relit. A rocket with the Fantastic Four logo on it blasts off from Earth. Inside, we see Reed and Ben in spacesuits tracking an orb of some kind. Ben makes his way outside of the ship and goes after the orb. As Ben gets closer, he sees that there's someone inside. And when he finally gets close enough, he sees that it is Crystal, one of the Inhumans and former girlfriend of Johnny Storm. Despite Reed's warnings, Ben breaks open the orb to set Crystal free. Ben then quickly brings her aboard the ship and they head back to Earth in the Baxter building. At the Baxter building, Johnny Storm and Medusa, who was a member of the team at the time, meet Reed and Ben as they return with Crystal. Medusa, being Crystal's sister, is just as curious as to what is going on as Johnny is. They let Reed get to work, trying to figure out what has happened to Crystal. The stasis tube that they brought her in has a tiny crack, and it slowly lets in more and more air. Once enough air has gotten into the tube, Crystal ignites, just like the Human Torch. Her ignition destroys the stasis tube and shakes the entire Baxter building. Johnny gets knocked out of his bed and comes running. He arrives to see Crystal aflame, just like him. Crystal flies past Johnny and leaves the Baxter building. Johnny follows her and attempts to calm her down. She attacks him and snuffs out his flame. Fortunately, the thing was flying close by in the flying bathtub and was able to catch the torch before he fell to his death. The thing then brings the torch to where Crystal is gone, and the torch takes off once again after her. This time, he has a plan, and his strategy works, as he creates multiple versions of himself in the sky around her. He uses, all up the, uses up all the available oxygen in the area, snuffing her out her flame with enough time that the thing is able to trap her in another orb that can keep her from getting enough air to combust. Taking Crystal back to the Baxter building, Reed Richards once again sets about examining Crystal under the watchful eye of Medusa. Reed concludes that this, is, that this Crystal is not the one from their Earth, but from the other Earth on the far side of the Sun, as she is part of the High Evolutionary's control mechanism as he is the ruler there. Now from this point is where I really had to go off the writing of Michael Bryan in the story and get all the exposition, as the art did not provide enough context for me to follow. <laughs> so apparently... Crystal 2, as I'll refer to her from now on, her flame power came from an experiment performed by her father in trying to create the next step in evolution. Somebody need to get that? Should I uh, read that last sentence over, Tim? No, let me, uh, let me mute myself and then you just uh, kind of read the last one over. I'll cut that out. Okay. okay. Apparently, Crystal 2, as I'll refer to her from now on, uh, her flame power came from an experiment performed by her father. In trying to create the next step of evolution, he had created a series of androids known as Mark. During the creation of Mark IV, the High Evolutionary intervened and caused a huge explosion. Medusa was killed in the explosion, and I guess I should say Medusa 2, and Crystal 2 was changed where she combusted every time she was exposed to the air. This made her a danger to her entire world, so she's put in suspended animation and sent out into space so as not to be disturbed. As things would have it, she winds up landing on, on, on Marvel Earth. Reed concludes that she's too dangerous and powerful to let loose on their Earth as well. Johnny's not happy, happy, feeling even though their crystal had left them, this one could possibly love them. And that is partly true, as Crystal 2 explains that she's in love with the other Earth Johnny, a scientist who nursed her back to health after the explosion. However, she combusted for the first time once she regained her full health. Now Johnny too was able to, to put her out with some quick thinking, but the damage had been done. She'd been changed at the genetic level and the shock of that realization killed Crystal 2's father. He instructed Johnny with his last words to put her in a capsule until a cure could be found. And so he did. 
Once Crystal 2 had finished relaying her story, Reed tells her to get some rest and shuts down the intercom to Crystal's breathing apparatus. Reed then tells Johnny that they will have to send Crystal 2 back out into space, into orbit, around the other Earth. This time, again, until a cure can be found. Despondent, Johnny walks off while Ben laments Johnny's lost love. The same girl, twice, on two different worlds. Boy, that was lousy. <laughs> the end. That was actually pretty good. I, yeah. I never would have got... Because I didn't read the script. I didn't know there was a scripted version of this. So I was going strictly off these pencils. Okay. And uh, I my notes are a lot of, what the... What's going on? Who is this? <laughs> what's yeah, I, I know. It was... Uh, looking at the artwork first, it was very hard to tell that that was Medusa. And, and, and that that was Crystal. I was thinking first Frankie Ray. But, you know, of course, this is even before Frankie was introduced in the comics at all. And so you, you can see where Byrne got a lot of his ideas that he did during his Fantastic Four run. Uh, they were already formulating here because, you know, he had a, a woman that got uh, Human Torch powers just like Frankie Ray did. And uh, the costume, and, and when colored, definitely has a, the look of, of like Frankie Ray's or similar to Frankie Ray's. Uh, before she became the Herald of Galactus. Yeah, I'm absolutely convinced that this is the you know the origins of probably when he put Frankie Ray into the comic. Yeah, and uh, you know there was a uh, the uh, the second Earth. Now I've read Marvel comics for you know many many years. I mean uh, you know forty forty plus years now, and I seem to remember hearing about this other Earth, but I really didn't pay any attention to it. Um, have you had any experience with the with the other Earth and you know as far as the high evolutionary and all that goes? I just from I seem to remember that in one of the when the Hulk uh, runs across high evolutionary and I don't know what issue it is but I've got it in my little digest. He the uh, high evolutionary says that at one point Thor found them another world for all of him and his uh, new men. I think that's what he called them. To Anyman. live, Animan. Was it the Animan or are they the new men? I think it was Animan. Animan? A-N-I, yeah. Uh, to live. And I think that must be this Earth that's referenced in this story. Yeah, because the actual script did bring up that the High Evolutionary was on this other planet and that he had stopped all evolution there with the exception of his Animan. They were yeah. the only the only evolved breed. And that's why he stopped uh, Crystal's father for, from creating that, that next evolutionary stage and invariably causing it to happen. In, in, you know, changing Crystal herself. Um, but let's, uh, I mean, Frank, did, uh, did you have anything you wanted to say before we start looking at the individual pages? Um, no, I, I, the most of my comments and most of what I, I, I get from this are, are the, from the artwork itself. All right. I, I did find a few things odd in the story but these are things that are often glossed over in stories uh in comics like as an example when uh, ben breaks open the capsule yeah he punches it right yeah so here here he is is he's a super strong guy he's in a spacesuit. clearly he needs to breathe right, um, right. he punches through a, a space capsule of some kind clearly you know man-made of some of, of some metal material I'm unclear as to why the suit he's in doesn't rip apart in the process. This is one of the things that I've always had an issue with in a, in a lot of stories dealing with characters that have super strength. Uh, he clearly needs to be careful. He's more powerful than the suit that he's in. He needs to be able to breathe. 
that was always that was one the first thing that that that's that I saw that had a little concern for me. Now comics had this tendency to gloss over things like that and and ignore ignore those little inconsistencies. But I I always I have a hard time suspending disbelief, um, except of course in those in those properties that that I that I love dearly and am willing to do so, as I said before, with Spider-Man and with Star Trek, uh, you know, there are moments where I will say, that just makes no sense. You can't do that. But this is Spider-Man. Okay, let's go on. <laughs> so that was the first thing that came to my mind story-wise. The whole other Earth thing, uh, I'd only ever heard it referenced one other time, and I, don't, I couldn't tell you where and when it was in what book, and the only other time I'd ever heard it referenced was actually from you, mm-hmm. uh, Brian, uh, talking probably about, over a uh, probably over a decade ago. Talking and about Father, I, Father Guido Sarducci, more than likely, though. Yeah, and I I couldn't I couldn't give you the details on that. No, but that's about the right time frame. Well, and uh, <laughs> uh, I, and I didn't understand it then, and only now. When reading the dialogue in the in the inked version, did I go, "Oh, I get it now." All these years, I've never really fully understood what the heck they were talking about. So, so I get it now. Well, for me, any time that I'm going to mention an, a planet Earth on the other side of the sun, it's going to be that you know either talking about that movie, Planet on the Far Side of the Sun, or it's going to be talking about the other Earth that was told to us by Father Guido Sarducci on Saturday Night Live. That there is a planet Earth on the other side of the sun that obviously we can't see. Same size, same shapes. Everything on there is exactly the duplicate of everything here. They got one of you, one of me, one of everybody else. The only difference is they eat their corn on the cob up and down instead of left to right. <laughs> and, and, and that's Don't it. Don't feed the gamma to the nuns. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. But uh, <laughs> the... Um, yeah, that's that's the only thing that, that comes to mind. Now, as far as the Ben's costume, the spacesuit, uh, I, I bet Tim can give you a no prize answer to this. And if he can't, I can. Unstable molecules, baby. Bingo! There you go. <laughs> Unstable well, molecules. Well, then they, that's that's the MacGuffin that that they use for for the 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 suits that they wear as as superheroes uh, is he using that in everything i mean if that's the case then um his material science that he's constructed around that particular uh uh, uh let's say uh physics MacGuffin, he could apply everywhere and anything no, and no, make no, anything no, no. and everything indestructible no 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 that's not that's not what he did look the costumes and the other things that the Fantastic Four use work simply because it's unstable molecules interacting with their cosmically charged bodies. Their bodies charged by the cosmic rays it made them what they are. That's why Johnny's suit can burst a flame, you know, and it doesn't burn up. Sue's can turn invisible when she turns invisible. Reed stretches with him. And Ben says, stays really, really strong as long as it is skin tight. So you're saying the cosmic energy within their bodies is interacting with the, with the unstable the molecules. molecules. Yes. What about the unstable molecules that he gives to Professor X for the X-Men's uniforms? Well, again, you know, if you read Ohatmu and uh, other Marvel publications, uh, most of these powers that they have that allows them to work with their, their costumes seems to be uh, a mutation based on some form of cosmic change. I've always understood that the unstable molecules just adapt to whatever 
whatever they're they're used for. Like for instance, Johnny's flame, he flames on so the molecules won't burn up. They will stretch right. along with Reed. It's not so much that they're feeding off any kind of their cosmic energy or anything. It's just it's just they adapt to whatever they're used for. So what you're saying is that is that my, my, my thoughts here have no basis in fact at all. No, I'm just simply saying you're wrong and I'm not. <laughs> okay. I, I will accept that and I'll move on because, it, it, you know, as far as, uh, it, it, as all that goes, that was just the explanation I was trying to throw out there and, and you guys are good at shooting it down. Well, <laughs> the thing with I, un- I didn't shoot anything down. I just never fully understood it to begin with. And, uh, and, and unstable molecules to me, in my mind, uh, seems dangerous in that uh, if they're so unstable – one could find oneself rendered naked uh, while walking down the street, and uh, that doesn't seem a tenable condition for a superhero. <laughs> well, it just depends on which superhero. That's true. <laughs> I think the thing well, with maybe the, the invisible girl will be okay. <laughs> I think the thing with unstable molecules are they, like you said, they are kind of the MacGuffin. They are there for the writer when they need to get out of a scrape, or they need them. To, they're used whenever they need to, and they're not there when they're not. So it's not consistent. There's no, because uh, sometimes you think that that's the case. Why are their why would their uniforms ever get torn up? But occasionally yeah. you'll see them get ripped or, or or shredded or something. But it's it's so it's when they need them, they're there. When they're not. They don't they don't seem to function. Right, and and my guess is that uh, all the characters that have superpowers somehow have the same unstable molecule suits because. Uh, what was her name again? Uh, Crystal. Um, yeah. she bursts into flame, and her suit seems to be fine. So she has unstable molecules as well. They all share this technology. I guess. I guess unstable molecules is an open source project. That's possible. Yes, that is that is very possible. Um, well, the, the and thing- I mean, it, it it does help that everybody in the story happens to be or related to a scientist. And not not just a scientist, but the greatest scientist on the planet, as Crystal described her father. Oh, so so that's uh, you know that's where that goes. Now I you know again I'm I'm not I have never really been one for the history of the Inhumans. I know the Inhumans by you know Black Bolt and and all those that are they're up on the blue area of the moon. I don't know who her father who her and Medusa's father is. Oh. I don't know if it's ever been revealed, but again I'm not like you. I'm not up on. For all I know, he could be on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a look at the uh, the art, you know, and we'll start on the first page. Now, um, as as we're talking about this, you know, uh, there's two web pages that uh, we put links to. Uh, one is for the pencil pages. The other one is for the completed pages. And the thing you need to keep in mind for the completed pages was that they were uh, inked by not professional artists, it was part of a contest, and um, they were not given full-size art. So the level of detail that they'd be able to put into is probably not as great as what you would see on a full comic art page. Uh, so the, 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 the pages that on, the, on the, the colored page are a little bit more amateurish in the, uh, the appearance. Now, the style uh, that we see here is a, a big departure from the style that we're familiar with in John Byrne, especially in the 70s and 80s. Um, and you can see that he's still working out his biology, but he takes that to, uh, he actually uses that as a strength rather than a weakness here by keeping them in, uh, very Kirby-ish poses, 
uh, yeah. that he can work with rather than showing them standing straight up and having the difficulty he does have with certain parts of biology back then. So uh, we'll go ahead and go on into the story and look at that page one. Um, again, you know, he, he makes good use even back then of Kirby Crackle that you can see around that rocket. And uh, of course, I, I'm just, you know, on, on both copies, I am bothered by the big block they've got down at the bottom that covers all that art. Give it probably, yeah. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, looking at the penciled work, the part that I love the most is the background with all the little bubbles. Yeah, that's Kirby Crackle. I think that's outstanding. Now, I, I, I'm I'm not a fan of Kirby. Kirby is one that I've never really got been on board with. I've never there's not a lot of his work that has impressed me. The penciling here is, I think, outstanding, especially for a 23-year-old. That was a piece of information I didn't have going into this. Uh, a youngster in his early 20s um, uh, taking a crack at this, I, I'm, I'm impressed with. I'm, I'm more impressed with this work than, than, than I, uh, I, I lended credence to at the beginning uh, of this, of this uh, analysis. His, uh, his forced perspective has a little bit of an issue, but again, a 23-year-old with a protractor and a and a straight roll and trying to give some style to this work, I think it's an outstanding piece. the The colored work, I don't I don't know who did that. I'm not saying that they're bad. It was just Ron Miller. Um, I'm I just feel it detracts from the original piece. Yeah, and and I definitely want to to focus more on the penciled work rather than the. The, the, the inked work. Uh, the inked work, you know, it gives us uh, more story, but it uh, definitely detracts from the artwork. Now, um, are, is, are those three bodies back there, are those supposed to be like the moon and something else? It, it almost looks like a, a frog face. It does. It does. Uh, more so in the, in the uh, inked piece than, than, the, than the, the penciled work. The penciled work looks to me as if that is the moon in the background and there is uh, stuff flying off of the rocket. I don't know. But I just thought the, the, the depth of work that was done in that yeah. is, um, is that, that attention to detail is, is really well done. Tim? I think that's, a, that's just a, uh, something that Byrne does. He's always had a – to me, he's always felt like he wanted to be like an architect because all of his, his tech and all his cityscapes, all his buildings – have a, a tremendous amount of detail to them. And I think that's what you see here is what probably shows and stuff he's doing later. Uh, I agree. It's, it's a great use of um, force perspective. Uh, it's got good use of speed lines at the bottom. I, I love the Kirby crackle. I don't, I, I, I again don't, or I agree. I don't understand what the other bodies are. That does look like it's the moon back there. But even when you go to the second page and the rockets making it hard turn around the earth, there's looks like other planetary bodies behind it so yeah i don't know I, again i haven't i haven't read the scripted or the the colorized so i don't know if that gives you any indication as to what possibly that is or does it explain why they're going to get crystal or is it just they picked up this object in space or in orbit and they're going to investigate is that that's the, that's what it is they're going to okay. investigate and it really does nothing more than than say that uh there's a lot of exposition there but it's kind of like the exposition saying you know Reed Richards is more than just a scientist and, you know, and all that. It, it's not, uh, it's not descriptive of what, you know, 
what anything that's going on around them there other than the fact that they're going out to investigate a satellite. Well, I think the odd thing is that they're going out to just Reed and Ben. Yeah. Why would Johnny and Sue not, or not Sue and Medusa, because they don't know who, they don't know they're going to go get Crystal. So why would the other two not, not be with them? Why would it, why would it be just the Fantastic Two? Yeah, I know. <laughs> now, the thing I love here in this, as much, much as I love this page, everything about it, the thing's face there in the middle panel on the right is just, that is the thing that I know, you know? That's the thing that I like to see in the comics. And uh, it, 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 I, 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 you, he just can't do it any better than that. Mm. And that was at such a young age. At the, the pencil work is, is great. Uh, if you look at the second frame where the rocket is during doing its orbit, I'm really glad that the pencil or the inked work work put the exposition over the Earth because yes. that is a really poor version of some continent, and my guess is that's Europe. <laughs> I don't know what so that is. I'm, yeah. really, I'm really glad that's blocked out. Um, the in the in the third frame, right next to the one you were talking about. On the left, I see the homage to Kirby in the instrumentation panels. Oh yeah, uh, that is one of the things that I I that that I immediately said to you earlier. Uh, this looks like it fell right out of Kirby's head. Yep. As a 23 year old, I can see why he would want to uh, follow someone like Kirby and do work not unlike Kirby. But it, I have to say that is one of the things that always annoyed me about Kirby, his <laughs> instrumentation, his weird use of these round shapes with weird lines through them. I've never fully understood that about Kirby. Yeah, uh, and, and his artwork seems to tend in, in the story more towards the, the Kirby tech than the, the, the wonderful burn tech that we would get so oh, accustomed that, to in later years. Yeah, absolutely. This, yeah. Is, uh, this is definitely – this is lousy with uh, Kirby tech. But I think it's it, again, as as Frank pointed out, at such a young age, to it's hard as an artist to to do something that captures someone's style without directly imitating it. You're not right. doing a direct, you're not copying it verbatim. You're doing it. It's it, as you said, it's more of an homage, and that's hard to do. You know, yeah. I'm a I'm a graphic designer, and I, I that's very very hard to do to kind of do something in the style or tone of somebody. And I see a lot of Kirby in this. I see a little. A little Basima in it. Yeah, I don't see a lot of, I don't see a lot of burn. And I'm trying to kind of compare his storytelling in this. He's he's not really stick with a nine panel, although in some cases he is. Well, the storytelling on this part right here, I really like the fact that you know on the bottom panel, you know he he wants to show the thing is getting out of the ship, so he puts those three fingers right in front of you. That's very Kirby, I think. Yeah. And, you know, it, but other than that, if you're not sitting there paying attention to that, you're sitting there wondering what, how did we go from the thing looking out the window to somebody out, out in space, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I agree completely. Yeah. But still, that, that, is... that, uh, that shot there is mesmerizing <laughs> of what he's looking at. All right. Moving on. Uh, I really, you know, it's like, it doesn't, it wouldn't have to be the thing. It wouldn't have to be it, anyway. It, in fact, it almost makes me think of Rom, Space Knight. Looking at, at Ben in that uh, spacesuit. Yeah, I can see that. Does it look and, like in his right hand he's holding Annihilus's cosmic control rod? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 cool. That's cool. Wow. And then when he finally makes the realization that there's someone in there now in the story, you know, he recognizes her as Crystal right away. I wouldn't have known it was 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 Crystal without the black band that she <laughs> normally wears on her. That's what I was her. gonna say. That's the only way to know, tell them apart. 
Yeah, because no. yeah, when I saw that, I said, hey, it's Frankie Ray, you know, <laughs> or it's some woman. <laughs> Going back to him, his first instinct is to rip this thing apart. Yeah. My, my mind is that he's the first time I looked at this was when I was looking at it in in the penciled panels, which I, I think are really nicely done. Now, his eyes are all wide uh, while he's looking inside at, at this woman. And he proceeds to break the thing open. My mind is, in, in my mind, he is trying to kill her. Because you're in the vacuum of space. Uh, someone's in a spaceship. Um, I'm going to break this open, expose them to space so they so they die. I, I still, I'm, I'm unclear as to the logic as to why he would break into this thing so quickly, just instinctually, to just break her out of it. And now she's floating in space in, in following frames. Again, in my mind... Uh, this is a human. Humans don't do so well in that environment. It would have been. I, I agree, Frank. I think, and he is, and and the thing is impulsive. That's if, if anybody's going to do something like this, it's him. But he's an astronaut himself. He knows he has to have breathing apparatus. He has to know that. Well, this person is going to have to breathe. Uh, I think it would have been nicer if he, he ripped it open and the stasis tube she's in later. If he pulled her out of the larger capsule, but she was still in the stasis tube. So that she's not exposed to the vacuum in space, but you still get this scene of him, you know, ripping it apart. And you can even have the explosion. Right. And so he is assuming that Ben knows a great deal more than I, as the reader who's coming into this, um, knows. And if there might have been some exposition to explain that, then then I'd be on board. I'd be okay with all that. But as that there isn't, I, I, my first instinct was, oh, he wants to kill this chick. She must not be good. She'd be bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> well, even, <laughs> see, on the, on the next page, it reads reactions. Is he reacting to the explosion or the fact that, Ben, you idiot, <laughs> you just exposed her to the vacuum? Yeah. yeah. So clearly she's got to have some superpowers that they're all aware of, that they all know via some backstory that I'm not privy to because she's surviving in, in open space. Yeah. No, and it, did it, say through, that, uh, it did say that he, he had to get her to air really, really quick and it didn't take him long based on what he said. Um, and that's on the page where it shows him carrying her into the ship. Um, now crystal's powers are elemental. Uh, not, you know, there's nothing about her powers that said that she'd be able to survive in the open vacuum of space. Um, just that uh, the costume that she normally wears, uh, the crystal that we know, uh, does, you know, protect her from the elements, heat, fire, whatever. Um, but, you know, again, she's wearing something a lot more revealing than what she normally wears. Uh, and, Super and, underwear. And, and again, this isn't the crystal that we know. And, of course, they don't know that just yet. They, they, they think it is the one from the Inhumans. Um that being said, you know, looking on that next page where, uh, like you said, Reed's got that look on his face and Ben brings her into it. I, I think that the uh, fourth panel sh- kind of shows a little lack of detail on her face. I thought but just certain- uh, just around, I, I, I guess, you know, around her legs, really. I don't know if it's a lack of detail or just and then, then Reed's arm that's that's reaching out to, to grab her. It doesn't look right to me with the thick lines. Yeah, see, that's well, that's a little confusing because I first saw that it looks like Ben is still carrying her coming 
into the airlock and the close up yeah. is Reed, but it's it's not. So it it's a little wonky. It looks like he doesn't okay, look like he's, he's, a, he's he's handed her off to Reed. Right. It doesn't, I that's don't, Reed that's, that's, right. that's grabbing her. Yeah, because Reed's got five fingers, Ben's got four. And so yeah, I it, it, it yeah, that kind of throws me for a little bit of a loop there. Huh. Yeah. Got them fingers. Now that, that <laughs> bottom panel though, that is just that's uh you know, Byrne doing Kirby. Yeah. Yeah, there's oh, yeah. lots of Kirby all over the walls. And that, that right there is, I mean, if you go back to the very first Fantastic Four books, that, that right there is just a, a stock Kirby panel. But yep. it'd usually be Reed you'd see in the foreground uh, messing with some machine with a pipe sticking out of his mouth. And, and that's, yeah. And the lines on his face to, to notate that he's been working and he hasn't shaved. Yes. Now, I, I like this Kirby tech here. I like all that. Everything is different. There's, you know, not a, a repeat of anything really, and it's all got the funky angles on it. Yeah, on, on the whole, I like Kirby Tech. It always looks a little over-engineered. Yeah, like he's got about twelve steps past what he needed to 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 accomplish his goal. But <laughs> yeah, and I I really hate on the uh, finish pages how the word balloons block all that background art. <laughs> I don't know. In my mind, it always seems as if you're going to go and touch on a control and you may come back with a missing limb. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kirby would always draw like if Reed's working at his desk, like you would think he'd put his workstation, all the controls right at his fingertips. But no, there's one five feet away. There's one 20 feet away and there's one more. So he's always having to stretch all over the place to do what he could have just in front of him. Maybe he's just doing it to show off. He could be. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so how far I can stretch. <laughs> so on the next page here, uh, the capsule has finally, uh, or I mean, they what? What does that just happen? That's right. She's caught flame while they're in there. Is that is that really what happened, or did she just exploded? I think yes. I think she, she just exploded. I think she. And she yet, does. according to the story, she's able to activate the fire retardant foam or stop the fire. No, he is. Reed is stretching to go and... Well, he says, I'm fine. Uh, let me activate the fire retardant foam. Hmm. That's what she did, is what Ben says. Oh. Fascinating. So okay. she stopped the flame. Okay. Okay, then what's Reed for searching for? Oh, did she, st she stop her own flame? Yeah, she stopped her. Oh, she stopped okay. the flame as Reed, as Reed was reaching to release the, the foam. And, you know, it, of course, that's that's what they're saying in the in the story. I, I don't know if that's necessarily how the script read. I've never found the original script itself. So, uh, of course, then they go, they go down to the Baxter building and us as readers that have known Fantastic Four for years. Uh, if you haven't read this era, this is a surprise for you because there's Medusa and Johnny Storm down on the, the top of the Baxter building instead of Sue. And if you're looking at the finished version, Johnny's in his red costume rather than the the blue one that we're all familiar with. Because he did go for some time with the red costume. He was. At this era, he was wearing the red costume. All right. But what's confusing about Medusa is when you – at the first thought, that was Sue Storm because look at the length of her hair. Yeah. Look how short her hair is. And she doesn't look like she's wearing the mask in the you – know, granted, they're not, a lot of, they're not very detailed. And when – uh, there's scenes where she's a much smaller figure. She doesn't seem like she's wearing a mask like they keep showing this close-up of her face. So that confused me. Now, is this the rocket that's coming down, or is this something that came off of it? Because I see wheels. Yeah. I don't know. It looks like wheels. the Pogo plane, or maybe... I don't know. Hmm. And nice little city background there. That was nice. And Johnny looks like he's dancing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the, the cityscape back there is wonderful. That is... Yeah. 
And then when you get to the next page, the penciled version of Medusa, the look of intensity on her face, that is just beautiful. And it just gets ruined by the uh, finished work. I might take a look at these finished pages after we're done with this podcast because I'm curious as to what they look like. Oh, I, I thought I sent you up. You might have. I just probably didn't. I didn't click on it. I thought it was. I never thought these were inked. Ah, okay. All right. And so you've got uh, Ben and and Reed bringing the the stasis tube out, and Johnny freaking out because it's crystal. Um, the finished panel of the thing in the the third panel looks really wonky compared to the penciled page. That and bo- then the, the and bottom the, left. Yeah, and then the way that the way that Ben looks in that uh, fourth panel is a little odd. I think he had a hard time with that. Just you know, the area around his neck because he's got his his head low on his you know almost like like he's got it down to his chest rather than standing up straight. Yeah, and it just gives him almost a sphinx like look. Well, the thing the way he's drawn him here is much more uh, defined, muscular than he would yes. when he takes over the book. And he draws his own, he's doing his own run. Yeah, he makes him kind of like a giant T on his run. Uh, and then that bottom panel, bottom left panel of the thing, that that almost looks like a Frank Miller drawing one of the guys from, you know, Basin City. <laughs> Just like he's wearing a bowler hat. Or uh, what, what was the guy's name in uh, the Punisher miniseries? Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Jigsaw, Jigsaw. yeah. I mean, just the, you know, instead of looking like the thing, he looks more like something else. And I guess like Jigsaw, but still. And then there's that Kirby um, device. I don't know what that is. That he brings out. And um, it doesn't say what it is. Because uh, right there, whenever, uh, uh, when, when you know, basically Reed's talking about, you know, doing, you know, examining her and everything, so examining her to the subatomic level. Um, you know, the, the thing makes a comment about fun. And then re- the whole thing reads talking about while he's got that device out is that he doesn't want to, you know, interrupt anybody's fun. So <laughs> there you go. Okay. But, uh, the Kirby device is beautiful. Yeah. And I didn't notice the crack. I couldn't tell what yeah, that I, was. I, I really didn't notice it either. E- even on the next page, when you're sitting there looking at it, he's got so much stuff drawn into it. Um, I guess, you could say that's that's the crack right in the middle, but with the other lines in there, it's really hard to make out. And then when she starts to ignite, that third panel of her igniting, uh, that that looks like you know either someone that got into a bad bad fight with somebody and got a swollen eye, or I don't know what. Yeah, it looks like she's got one bulgy eye, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it made me think of um, did you, if you ever read the Harry Potter books when the way they describe Merope Gaunt. Um, <laughs> well, it's like a Mad-Eye Moody. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> and then she catches flame again. Frank, you have any thoughts on this page? I really like the the Kirby crackle around her as she's igniting there on that bottom panel. Um, I I was looking back at the handheld Kirby device and yeah, I I, uh, I you you guys love the Kirby stuff. I'm gonna have to. I I will be. I will. Quietly dissent. <laughs> I'm not a not a fan of the way uh, the, the the Kirby devices work. Now, in my mind, looking at these two three middle panels while she catches flame is that she's also awakening in the right. process. So, yes. so she's starting to breathe oxygen again. Clearly, she could stay alive without oxygen. 
Uh, I don't know how that happens. But, no, the story uh, the story puts they fed her just enough oxygen so that she could breathe. Okay. But the crack allowed more oxygen to get in there so she got enough air to ignite. I must have missed that. Well, she wakes up from that, and uh, uh, that's that's the only explanation I have for the for the eyes the way they are because I can tell you that when I wake up in the morning, I am not unlike that. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Now, Tim, if if you look at the bottom panel and you're looking at her legs, notice that her socks are doing the same thing that uh, Banshees yeah. do. And, uh, you know, it's just like the, the catching fire effect, which is really cool here. But still, I don't know how you'd explain it. That's Is that saying that the unstable molecules are catching fire and I, flickering? I think that's just an artistic. Yeah. I think it, I think it just settled. You just put that down to that. It looks cool. That's burntastic. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Sometimes you can just say it looks cool. And that's why you do it. Okay. So the next page is Kirby Crappletastic. No, I don't want to say that. <laughs> Kirby Crackletastic. <laughs> or as Frank would say, Craptastic, right? Craptastic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, I actually like that whole thing right, right there. It's very, very cosmic as they've done. It reminds me of the cover to uh, FF286 when Jean Grey, they discovered yeah. Jean Grey, and she comes yeah. up. She's like that. But the only th- this next part bothered me is that Johnny is basically, what, taking a nap or whatever? You know, it looks, it looks like he's being knocked. I don't know. It looks like he's being knocked backward, and his foot just happens to be in our face. Well, to me, it, it looked like he was laying down on a couch or something, and the whole building shook. And so he got knocked up and was in surprise, lifted his leg, you know. Uh, and then you have to look at Johnny's butt as he runs down the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big fan of that pose. And okay. then that looks to me, yeah, that looks ahead. like Sal Basima, that pose. Of him I was exa- that's exactly what I was going to say. Sal Basima in his later years where everybody was either mouth stretched big wide or completely shut. Yep. <laughs> Frank, you were going to say? No, I was just going to say that uh, I don't know if you've watched any of the um, the Venture Brothers. No, oh, I have. Well, yeah. Well, this 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 these three panels of Johnny kind of look like Venture Brothers to me. Ah, I can see that. Hmm. Now, on the next page, as we get the full view of Crystal Aflame, uh, it, when you were just looking at that, not having any idea of the story, did you immediately think of Frankie Ray Nova, anything like that? Or I did thought, you think? I, I thought Frankie Ray. I didn't think it was Frankie Ray. I just thought, well, this must, this is the the origins of you know, this is where he got the idea for Frankie Ray. I wasn't sure who this person was. Yeah. Or did you think, okay, so just like Rob Liefeld, he couldn't draw feet back then? Oh, he's doing a better job here than Life uh, uh, Liefeld ever did. Yeah, that just doesn't look right to me. The hands are a little wonky, and and the the legs get too small, or at least the perspective on her leg gets too small with Johnny there. Yeah, her head, her legs have to be going way into the perspective, and I don't think you can physically do that. Hmm. They do look a little, uh, if you've ever seen Mike Zeck's legs, he has little skinny kind of pointed legs like that. Yeah. Let me draw somebody. <laughs> and then her hand, her right hand, just looks so funky. It's it's like almost like a flower on the end of a twig. The Her right hand or her right, right hand? Her right hand. Her left hand looks weird, too. Her left hand, the her left hand, the one on our right, looks bizarre to me. Yeah, yeah well, bo- both her hands look bizarre to me. I mean, but um, 
the left, yeah, it looks, it doesn't look right. The right one looks, like I said, looks like a flower that's bloomed, you know, really, really weird. And it almost looks like there's a shower head up there in the top right corner, ready to squirt water onto her. You're wondering why it hasn't. <laughs> Not sure what that's supposed to be. And uh, now the colored panel isn't really any better at all. And of course, it gives her the orange, more orangey uh, perspective than you get on the storm, uh, the, the torch, who's uh, mostly red. Red. So she's more orange in the colored version. Yeah, she's she's orange on her body, dark orange, and then yellow orange on uh, the costume and her hair, which is a flame, of course. Yeah, she is Frankie Ray. Yeah. And uh, then you know she flies out of the building. The torch flames on, and you know comes right after her. Um, that scene with him on the ground, where he's kind of ducking, where she's flying over him. Yeah, it's a that Kirby is, pose. Oh, that is right out of Kirby. That's yeah. absolutely a Kirby pose. And his face in that second panel is uh, the closest to a regular burned face than, uh, you know, with the hair and everything like it is, uh, than, than we've seen anywhere else in the book. Every, everything else still has a kind of more, you know, somebody else's work on it. Um, yes, I didn't notice that, but I think it's a little clearer in the pencil than in the inked work. I think I have to agree with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the pencil work makes the Baxter building ver look very clear and defined amongst the other buildings. The inked one does not. Mm. Um, yeah, whoever did that really did a lousy job. I'm sorry, uh, James. I can't even read his last name on there. Uh, but I guess he wouldn't want that, uh, me to put that out there, would he? Well, but this is the other thing that I have to. I'm I'm trying to keep in mind is that I because we said that Byrne was 23 at the time of, of yes. this work. The inker could the he's a he won a contest. He could very well be under twenty. Could be a young kid. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I hesitate to bash these 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 people who have done this work. I feel I feel that I, I need to be responsible in saying that uh, that they're at this point in time of their development they, they have a little ways to go. Oh I'll yeah, and, and, and you know, I want to state, you know, right. I stated at the very beginning that there's certain things that we know about this. These were not professionals. They're people, you know, right. just, you know, working at this and, and, and trying to do something with themselves. Uh, the other thing was that that the pages that they were able to work with were not full size comic book pages. True, true. That they, they yeah. were they were small, probably no larger than eight and a half by eleven or magazine size at most. That makes a big difference. And that gives you less area to work with as far as your detail, uh, as far as your depth and shading is going to go. So, you know, no, I, I recognize that. And, and what these people do are, is a far sight beyond anything that I myself would be capable of doing. Now, as far as you guys are concerned, because both of you have a background in art, maybe you, you'd be able to, you know, to, you know, you'd definitely be able to do better than anything I could do. But I, I'm, I'm not going to say that I can or can't. <laughs> But, uh, you know, and, and I don't want to take any way, anything away from those guys, but, you know, it's just that, you know, there's been a lot of discussion lately. Uh, and I heard on Back to the Bins, they did a, uh, a uh, issue of Wonder Woman, and they were talking about the fact that Byrne looks better uh, with inkers rather than when he inks his own stuff. Mm. And uh, now, of course, they're talking Terry Austin, uh, Carl Kessel. Uh, guys like that, or Jerry Ordway, that you know, when other inkers get in, or Joe Sinnott, when when other inkers get in there, you know, they're they're not necessarily doing uh, his work that much, that great of a service. Now, when you look at his early early work at Marvel, when he had like Dave Hunt, 
Uh, sometimes his work was great. Sometimes it wasn't. When it was Pablo Marcos, you know, it was very, very hit or miss. Mm. And uh, so when you look at this, you know, this this is definitely on par with the, the early, early stuff. Uh, maybe not necessarily as polished as that. But uh, the artwork on this is also, golly, I, I don't know how to describe it. You know, it's such a different style than what he, what he did in, in you know, even, even the years following this. Uh, you know, when he's trying to come up with his own style. Right. That, that uh, you know, that there was a, a much more, uh, I say, simpler feel to this. You know, like I said, he, he played to his strengths here and he tried to make sure any of the areas where he had weakness, he kept away from in right. his presentation on the story. And that, that really only helped him. If, if there's anything it reminds me of at all, it does remind me of some of his Marvel team up work. And that was when he had a lot of those middle tier inkers that was working on his stuff. Mm. But uh, anyway, that's, you know, I, again, I don't want to take anything away from these guys that won this contest. I mean, cause they did, uh, you know, they got his praise and they got, you know, his, you know, permission to sit there and work on these pages like this, put them out there for, uh, everyone to see. Well, when were it, these? Uh, when were these inked? Uh, two thousand six. Okay, so it's eight. So they could have they could have done them digitally. Okay. Yeah. I guess they they were inked by hand, but they could have by scanned them in and done a digital ink on them. True. True. Now, what I want to know is on that bottom panel of the page that I'm that I'm currently on, which is page twelve. What is she shooting at him? Because it's it's a beam. Is that yep. a beam of heat? Fire. I, I'm only. I can only guess that it would be uh, the same thing that Johnny is going to do to her later, which is try to deprive the of him of any oxygen in the area around him. So it's like my guess is a big flame or beam of flame to try to burn up all the oxygen around him. Superheated flame, and and yeah, surrounded by the Kirby crackle all around. So yeah, it's uh, it's more plasma than in it. Yeah. And fortunately, you know, Johnny falls a good bit. Ben breaks his, pulls his arm out of the socket and probably kills him by the force of the fall. Unless somehow the unstable molecule saved him. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, look at, uh, well, going back to the page, which is on 12, he's yeah. having more trouble with some of these faces here. The Her face in the top panel, and it's just probably just the perspective he's drawing in it is a little, yeah, it's a little flat. And then in the the middle one, I mean, is he trying to draw it like she's Asian? I mean, what I don't know what is going on with that page. <laughs> yeah, I I I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah, the in the bottom panel you're talking about or the middle panel? The middle one where she's that close up of her face when she's looking across. Yeah, at uh, at Johnny. Well, you can barely tell she has a face in the bottom panel. Yeah, it's just yeah, that's just kind of a shape, but. Mm. The same with the thing that I think is the, the the panel that I thought was really strange was the one where Ben grabs him by the arm because Ben's arm looks strange in that in that uh, in that image. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 no. that's good. Well, what's worse even than that is the very next panel. Where's <laughs> Ben's right arm? Where's his hand? That was my note was, watch the hands, Ben. I mean, come on. Because, <laughs> I mean, if that's where his the palm of his hands are, you know where the fingers are. <laughs> but that next, that very next panel, though, looks really, really good. I like that. Things mouth open. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no, no, just the, the way things mouth is open is kind of like half crooked. You know, you know, basically he's saying something he's like, to Johnny. He's, he's cracking off to Johnny about, you know, yeah. I had to save your hide or, you know, 
where you try to get yourself killed, you know, some some kind of benism. Yeah, well, the first thing I thought was, here, Johnny, smell my finger. <laughs> after after where it's just been. Okay, so here's the dialogue for these two panels, okay? Get in here, kid. Ben, oof, can that be Crystal? Are you just the oof? Goes right along with where his hand's going. Uh, I think Oof doesn't cover it. Huh? Yeah, and then in the next panel, Reed's working on that one. Keep your heart in your pants till you till we find out. Oh, That's yeah. what he was checking for. Yeah. Checking for his heart? Yeah. <laughs> now, th- this next panel, I had to look at a little bit because at first I thought, wow, what is she doing up there? And what's all that stuff up there? Then I realized that they're actually looking down towards the street and those are cars. Yeah. That's a great perspective. I love that shot. Yeah, uh, it's even it's it's actually worse than the colored one because uh, they went and colored individual cars blue and red and green and yellow. So there's solid colors down there. Looks like you know a bunch of Tic Tacs or chiclets or something down on the street. See if this was done in in Mike and Ike's in true. Uh, if it was Lee and Kirby were doing this, or they were probably uh, coloring it back then. That probably that whole background would be just a solid color. Yeah, like yellow well, or red or well, yeah, even yellow. even even in the, the early burn years they did that as well. Yeah, where they would give it like a magenta color or some other type of color, and you just see all the vehicles down there all one color. But uh, in this one, someone tried to you know just make each one of them a different color, and it did not work out very well. But they see her, and um, they had they they go after her with a plan. And then we get that nice big splash page. I love the shot. I love that page. And, um, you know, the thing's hand, I'm still trying to figure out why his hand is out like that. I don't. He's trying to get the smell off. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong hand. Oh, you're right. <laughs> but uh, that, I mean, that is just a really, really cool shot. And once again, he's got a salbacema mouth. Johnny does. Yeah. But I love the use of negative space at the top where his flame yeah. is kind of uh, framing the the fantastic car. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Now, that's the one that's got the detachable cars on it as well, right? Yeah. There's one on each side. Yeah, I don't, I don't see – well, I don't see a back a, – a place for – I see a place for three people, the front and the two sides. I don't – Yeah, I think, I think that's the windshield to it. In the behind, back? Okay. Yeah, in the back. And if you go over that, you'd see the seat. Now that, that was where Reed would sit. Yeah. All right, cool. But that is a great, great page. And then the two of them go back at it, though this time Johnny's got a plan. Now, these poses here are, are what I was talking about earlier, how he spaces the legs in such a way that he doesn't have to sit there and show you the true midsection of the character. But even when you do see the midsection, it's got a little wonkiness to it. Yeah. And then he's got her in that bent pattern that, you know, today, if he had done that, he'd be drawing a line right down the middle mm-hmm. so you'd know what was what. <laughs> or he'd have her turned a different way and you'd see a heart yeah. painted, pointed sideways. And some comic fan would complain about it, saying it's sexist. Yes. <laughs> Frank, but it would com- help sales. Yeah. Any comments about this page, though? Uh, no, no, I'm, uh, the, you were talking about how everything was the same color. If you look at the, uh, what you're, are you talking, you're talking about the one, no, you're talking about the second one here where she's, okay. If you look at the ground, you look at the cars, this is the same thing you were talking about before. Everything is one color. All the cars are the same color. The, the buildings, the street, everything is the same color. Yeah. 
And again, it looks better in the penciled pages. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's almost like they should not have made the attempt to ink each individual car. But, you know, it was just it, it, it was so probably so small for them to try to do it on what they had to work with that it made it very difficult for them to do the individual cars there. And that's why they come out. I mean, they look like um, Lego pieces almost. Yeah. Hmm. But um, it does give a good demonstration of them flying around with the, with their with their flame power. The flame trails look nice. I like the, the way he's done the flame trails. Yes. Johnny looks like he's skiing to me. Uh, skating. Skating. Yeah. Skating. skating, yeah. Skating, that's what I think. Yeah. yeah, almost like Iceman on his ice slide. Right, uh, right. Especially that bottom panel. Yeah. And then moving to the next page, this is where he creates the multiple versions of himself. And Which, when I looked at that in the, the pencils, I thought, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> he created multiple versions around her. They converged and sucked out all the oxygen, and so she goes to fall. And then the thing... Gets her into the capsule. Fortunately, he didn't close that too early and cut her in half. <laughs> now, I like that shot on the next page where he's he's putting her in there. But looking back at the the uh, the page there with the multiple Johnnies, you know, he, he gestures with his hand because apparently he can't create anything without his hand doing it. Um, he's Italian. <laughs> he looks like he's either straining or he's concentrating or he's constipated something. He looks like he's in pain while he's trying to do it. Yeah, and I, I got the feeling that on that bottom left panel that he wanted it to be like a white hot or you know more of a yellowish hot instead of the red that he normally is. Yeah. And when they when they colorized it, they they kind of mixed between the red and the yellow, and it didn't look quite like what I thought Berm wanted represented there. But you know, I, I could be wrong. I would have think that he would wanted it more of almost like a nova nova flame type yeah. nova flame kind of thing. And then, uh, of course, you know, she's falling. And that makes me think of um, Retro Girl from Powers, if you ever read that series. Nope. The, the, the shot yeah. of Crystal falling there. I've, I've read Powers, but that, that didn't ring a bell with me. Yeah. All right. And then uh, going on there, she tries to flame up in that uh, orb that Ben's got her in. Now, where he had that orb... Yeah, what is he keeping that? Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he had that big plane there, but it, it didn't see any orb on it, you know? <laughs> it was in my back pocket. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> Expanding unstable molecules. We got them from the Flash. There you go. <laughs> it, it, it pops out like those window shades you put in your car. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I can see that. And so that, of course, she uses up all the air and suffocates and dies. Oh, wait, no, no, we still got more story to go. Right. She can't die yet. Yeah. So they take her into uh, Medusa and Reed, and we get another little Kirby shot there, which looks really cool. Oh, that's it's, absolutely Kirby. Yeah, good force perspective there, and Reed's got his his face on some sort of scanner. And Medusa, see, okay, that's Medusa in the background behind Reed, but why is she not wearing her mask? Um, she's not in the the penciled version, but she is in the inked version. Okay, inked the mask on her. Okay. That, yeah, they inked the mask on. Yeah, because there were times when I was like, uh, which one's Medusa and which one's whoever else? Yeah, I and kept yeah, thinking of was Sue. It's like, well, wait a minute, Medusa's there, why is Sue there? Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure Frank is not liking that device down at the bottom. Eh. I like it, though. It's, it's it, uh, I don't know, it just seems a little... Busy? I, if, you ever, if, if you've ever 
have you ever seen an actual lab microscope? Yes. So when I look at that, it just seems to me like it's something from the movie Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> look, we got a Transformer here. When did Marco Rubio join our uh, podcast? Mar Marky Mark. No, no. <laughs> it also sounds like the Republican guy oh. running running for office, Marco Rubio. Or I've never bothered he, he to sounds, pay attention he to how sounds he sounds just like Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> oh, does he? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what we got here is an election. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, now I've now while I've seen a regular microscope, I've not seen an electron microscope. Uh, well, I can tell you this: it doesn't have a lot of doodads hanging off of it. Yeah, I believe you there. Now, in the next page, Reed has grown the spit curl from Superman. Ah, go Reed. Yeah. Well, if you look at the, go back to the back page. It's on the other side. See when he's oh. where he's looking down and he's reaching forward. Oh, you're right. Yes, yes, yes. Huh. Maybe he's looking in a mirror here. That kind of thing happens in movies all the time, where they. You know, we'll switch the, uh, they'll mirror a, a shot over and over again. Okay. Now so something will be on one side and then on the uh, other. Yeah. The thing on this next page though, that, that you get this nice big shot of Reed there. I guess that's Reed. I mean, I mean in the inked version, it's Reed. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's got that look of surprise and shock on his face. And then you've got that beautiful, uh, stellar picture, whatever that is that he's pointing at. Okay, I, I I have to I have to tell you that that frame with with Reed in in the pencil. I'm not yeah. talking about the the um the colored one in pencil. That shot looks like it's something right out of Prince Valiant. Reed Reed himself. Yes. Yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah. Again, he's got the mouth open kind of thing that always makes me think of Salbacima. Uh, I mean, it's not full stretched open. There's only one thing that makes him not look like he's uh, in a shot from Prince Valiant is that his hair isn't long enough. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the inked version makes him almost look like he's something out of a, a Cubert War story. <laughs> you know? Now, mm. um, the the next panel there that's got all that interesting half-cut detail there of the solar system. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the stretched out arm kind of bothers me because as he stretches his arm, doesn't it get thinner and smaller? It should. And that one looks like it, it retains its size and it, he gets Popeye's part for the front arm. <laughs> it is a Popeye. Well, arm. you the know, forearm. maybe he's, no. maybe he's shrinking his leg at the same time. You don't know. <laughs> okay. Or maybe he's shrinking something else, only, you know, only Sue knows. Okay. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> well, Medusa is there, so he's got to look good in front of Medusa. So he's kind of puffing his arm oh, out to make himself yeah. look a little more, you know, masculine. Yeah. He's turning his other arm into a nub. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, on the bottom panel, you get to see the, the two Earths, and they both have North America, uh, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, North well, America you know. is in the middle of the uh, Atlantic. And it is really, really just about to touch England there. Or actually, that would be Norway. The fjords. Or well, Iceland. And looks so like, big Iceland. It looks like Florida is curving back around into the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and that's on both of them, not feeling too. it today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, still as that is, uh, that definitely looks a lot better than the um, the ancient colored version. Uh. And uh, I hate the way the, the colored version blocks out so much of the artwork for the exposition of him explaining the other Earth. But again, it looks like there's so many other planets around there, doesn't it? 
Yeah, yeah it looks like a very crowded cosmos. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then the next page is that nice one-page splash with the high evolutionary. Uh, I'm not sure what that's supposed to be in the upper left-hand corner there. Uh, is that his planet, maybe? I can't tell. Because is the, is the guy supposed to, it's carrying, is that a dead deer? Is that supposed to be just a Cro-Magnon or Neanderthals? Yes. Something like that, yeah. And then the guy that looks like a, a bat thing. That's yeah, one that's, of his, his Animen. That, yep, that's one of the Animen. Yeah. And down in the bottom right is the Fantastic Four. Now, Four. they went on their thing and apparently wore pink suits. Oh. And um, as a result of wearing the pink suits, Sue Storm died. And they did not get any powers. Because <laughs> the high evolutionary prevented any any further evolution. Oh, so this is what happened on that Earth. Okay. Yes. I'm up to speed now. Yeah. I still don't know what all that is on the top left. Uh, that's, I can't tell what it is. I know. Yeah. Okay. It's science. Science. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard of that. <laughs> and so we see the orb that, uh, I guess they put crystal in and that somehow it accidentally found its way to earth or the Marvel earth. Looks a little bit like brother eye, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Now, of course, when I was writing up the, the synopsis, I kept getting things mixed up. Like I kept wanting to say our earth or their, you know, instead of the Marvel earth. And cause I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't our, earth. <laughs> uh, though I guess Dan DiDio would say, no, it's my earth. <laughs> well, it's and earth 616 and earth 617. Seriously? I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Counter Just a earth, random number. Earth, yeah. Corn on the cob earth. Right. <laughs> Uh, now, of course, the the bottom panel there. When you look at Crystal, she's not. It doesn't show her with her mask on at all. But one of her eyes is looking really, really wait, funky. Wait. Is the, that Crystal or Medusa? That, I'm sorry, Medusa. That is, that is Medusa. Uh, when you that, look at the the finished page, they they put a mask on her. Yeah. Well, that that is just. It looks like he did everything else, and like, oh, I forgot to draw Medusa in here. Yeah. Uh, I'm fixed to go to bed. Okay, I'll draw it real quick and we'll go to bed. And Reed almost looks like Arnim Zola's screen. He does. In that, in that bottom right corner. <laughs> and he's got the spit curl again. You can see it. Yep. Hanging down. Comic book artists, they love that spit curl. Right. Oh, but you get to the next page, and um, that's just Johnny and, and, and Ben and Reed. They look pretty cool, but Medusa. That's, I don't know what that is. Yeah, that does not look good. And then Crystal's face looks like someone beat her up. Well, smushed in. Yeah, pug nose and and all that. And well, I think only Ben t- looks a little small. He looks like his torso and his legs. Yeah, looks a little yeah. out of proportion. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I don't. I'm not a fan of all the Kirby tech all over the place. But yeah, technically- it was a little bit more sparing here than what he's what he's typically drawn. It's it's like he wanted to focus all of his attention on the bottom part. And the top party just kind of okay. I'll put this here. I'll put that there. And there's the to- where the toilet flushes to. And oh yeah, we got to burn it all up in here. Well, to me, it looks like he spent more of his time on the, the Kirby Tech to get it just right. So it looks sharper. Well, on the bottom, more, definitely. Well, even the top too. I think it looks sharper, a little more polished. And then yeah, but but it's sparse. Yeah, it's sparse. Yeah. Okay. But and even she in the tube, uh, crystal and tube looks okay. It's again, I don't know if he was in a hurry when he did uh, Medusa in the background and didn't quite know what to do with Ben, or maybe he, when he started to draw him in there, he was so, okay, how am I going to position him here? And 
man, I, you can kind of paint yourself into a corner. So maybe. Yeah, there was a different way he could have done that. I think that would have made it a little bit easier to work with. Uh, let's see. Let's move on to the next next page here. I'm afraid we really be taking the piss out of that one for a while. And yeah, we say that word a lot, Frank. So don't worry about it. Uh, piss. Okay. Yeah, we pulled that off of Andrew Leyland, or at least I did. <laughs> I listen to uh, as much Hey Kids comics as I can, and sadly, it's gone into not-so-regular uh, plays. Okay, so Johnny looks really determined, almost like he's about to read a poem, but he also looks a little drunk there, I guess because yeah. his, his eyes don't look even to me. Well, his face looks a little off, too. It's like the mouth and nose seem like they were shifted a little bit. Yeah, and and, yeah. and Crystal, again, looks like she's drunk. Wow. Looks she's blind. <laughs> Um, but Johnny's hand, that's some great flat Kirby fingers there. Oh, oh, that, that looks like Frank Miller holding, you know, a Frank Miller hand holding one of those knives, you know, with the knuckles on them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's an ugly hand. That's horrible. It's almost, I, I don't know. It's like an enlarged, uh, if, you see what I'm talking about, Frank there under Crystal's oh, yeah, face. Yeah yeah. 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 Well, and under Crystal's face? Under Crystal's face on the top panel. Medusa's face. Medusa's face. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Medusa's face. Yes. Yes, I see what you're talking about. You had me confused for a moment there, but yeah. yes. And then whose hand is that on the console? That's Reed's. Okay. That's Reed's, yeah. The In the penciled version, it looks quite effeminate. Uh, I can see but that. A little bit when, it's, when it's inked, you can tell that it's stretched, you know. Yeah. Well, what in the, in the, the one with dialogue, what does it explain that he's doing? Is he putting an oxygen mask on her face or what? Yeah, that that's exactly what he's doing. Um, but what's funny though is is that he he's got the machinery putting that that thing over her. They've put in some uh, sound effects that are whir shunk. <laughs> what's the shunk? Is that her face? Yeah, that's. I guess that's what. Face? That's that sound that Darth Vader's mask makes when it seals up. That's gotta be shunk. it. <laughs> well, on the bottom panel, that tube that's running up looks like he's feeding ping pong balls into the. Uh, the stasis chamber. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Let's see. On the the weird page. Kirby circles. Yeah. Now, of course, on the next page, you see that she's getting enough air. She's waking up. She, she catches try- on fire. She starts to catch on fire, and apparently they adjust the air so that uh, she can breathe and not combust. Um, and then apparently they have to explain everything, and she has to explain everything. So that's what this, that very bottom panel is her, that's the start of her ex- explaining what happened? Yeah, she remembers an experiment. Uh, her sister and her were assisting their father in an experiment. And um, you look on the next page, and of course, it is a page full of exposition. Um, he was the most brilliant scientist alive. Um, he devoted a number of years of his life to the study of genetics, trying to find the next evolutionary step. And um, he made three attempts at building Mark, and so he now was going to build Mark IV. And Mark IV was going to be an android that somehow uh, helps them create that next evolutionary step. But as they're getting ready to launch it, the high evolutionary does something. Um, Is he on that planetoid or that Yeah, he's on that planetoid. He sends something down. The whole thing explodes. But, you know, before we get to all that, let's go back and look at that one pa- one page. Now, I know Frank is probably not happy with it because that is just all Kirby tech all around. But the perspective of the people on that page bothers me. It's like 
It's like they're midgets or homunculi. They do look a little small. Yeah. Well, I, I think he's trying to get across this feeling of, you know, this this place is so big with so much stuff in it that people look like children. Well, and, and, you know, they're standing there and they're looking at the android. And the android, I guess, is supposed to be bigger. Right. Or all that, but you don't really get to see it in a perspective with them that tells you, you know, it's supposed to be that. So I guess that's what throws it all off. Them in their aim suits? Yes. Now, when they colored it, they made them an aqua, aqua more green than blue, though. Hmm. Yeah. I wish she had, starting with the, the first panel where she's telling the story, where you see Crystal, and I guess that's Medusa, and I guess the father just put his gloves on. Yeah. He had changed the uh, framing to either frame with some radius corners or something that they normally do to let you know that this is a flashback or it's not within the same story. Right. Didn't, you know, it's funny sitting there looking at the crystal and Medusa there. Doesn't it almost have like an Alan Davis look about it? Crystal does. She very much. Yeah. That really does have an Alan Davis look, especially they run the hair and the eyes. And Medusa looks more like storm being drawn, drawn by Dave Cockrum. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, let's go past the splash page there with all the Kirby tech. And um, we see one of Burns' strengths in that android. And just what you're seeing of that android there, the oddly shaped head, but very well. You can you just know it's metal. Yeah. Which, uh, and he didn't have it. He didn't need Zipatone to show that it's metal. Yeah, that is well done. Yeah. But then in the third panel, there's something odd about the the squaring of the shoulders or whatever that is it's it's yeah i don't know what he's drawn it's something threw off the symmetry there yeah the uh the, the collarbone lines are not quite there it's just yeah it just looks odd around the deltoid there yeah and then of course the uh high evolutionary blast down to the planet uh which apparently the you know North America is the only continent that you can, you can barely see a little bit of South that that, that is South America. Uh, I mean, Africa over there. Yeah. Uh, just a little bit of it, but it's okay. Cause we got all these other planets around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plenty of the planets to go to, but I'm trying to figure out what the, what that is supposed to represent there in that bottom left panel. Is that the, that's just where they happen to be at where they're doing the experiment. I can't tell. It's just a black and, blob. And, I don't know what that's supposed to be. Wait a minute, wait. Lower left panel? The, the bottom on... the bottom left panel. Right. Now, looks like, oh, it's the one that has a door. It looks like a door or it looks like, I don't know, it looks like something that's about to explode. Right. Like a seal or an airlock or something like that. Right. And, and then, then it does explode. Yeah, and it explodes and then they go flying out or whatever. Right. Which, yeah, this is, this is those two bottom panels are very uh, ambiguous. Yes. And then on the next page, you see that Crystal, you know, comes to in the wreckage. Uh, she finds the, uh, uh, the the dying body of her sister, and that's all she remembers from the accident, according to what it says there. Now, she's rescued and uh, nursed back to health by Dr. Johnny Storm, John Storm, that she falls in love with. They have the funeral for Crystal. See, when I was reading this, I thought, okay, she's in the hospital. Did she die? And that's her funeral? Yeah. I couldn't tell what was going on. And who are those at the funeral? Uh, Johnny and who knows? Her father. But, you know, I mean, where's where's Karnak? Where's Black Bolt? Where's... 
But I, wait, I, this is this is which the Earth, Earth is that? No, this is the yeah. other Earth. I don't, I don't know how the Inhumans are if they're even there. Yeah, if the Inhumans would be considered right. an Inhuman. Yeah. Okay, so I, I mean, why would why would her sister be called Medusa? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Why would she not? Why would she have the same hair ribbon or whatever that is that's on her hair? <laughs> yeah. Okay, but that that I mean I, I hate to say it, but that coffin is drawn really well. I mean, it's like yeah. he he must have had a, a picture that he was working with to to do that. Mm. Okay, and so they show then that uh, she at the funeral combusts, uh, and, and that's the first time that she truly combusted, but. Uh, John Storm was was prepared with some sort of fire hose. To he's be able quick to, on the hose. Yeah, he's quick on the hose to put her out. Uh, Squirts her down. Her father, of course, and this is the first time they show him by the face. And, uh, you know, he realizes, you know, his mistake and all that. And that, uh, you know, she's got some really funky looking fingers there down in the bottom right hand. Oh, panel. yeah. That, wow, that is. And that, see, the thing is, the left hand, the left panel is so beautiful. In in the, in the in the artwork that he's done there, and then you look at that one on the right, and it's just like what, you know what happened there with the fingers and all that. And I guess you could say, okay, that's just the way the gloves make him look, but it doesn't look right. No, it's again some of this looks like he had to, he was either rushed or I, I don't. It doesn't look like he didn't know what lack of skill. I don't think it just looks like he well, did it in a hurry. Well, no, now that was the, another thing that he has said. Uh, many, many times is, you know, don't ever say that his art looks rushed first, the first and foremost, because you know, that it, it's, it's never one of those things where he feels like he's under the gun. He always gets his work in on time. He always gets it, you know, done right. That's one of the things that he can claim to fame is that whenever he was working in both companies, except for one time, and that wasn't his fault, that was someone else's fault. Did he ever miss a deadline? Yeah, Never. but this is before he ever worked for those companies. Right, but if this is something you're sitting there putting together to get noticed, you're not going to sit there and rush through it. You're going to take your time, do it right, hold on to it till you're 100% sure this is the work you want to present and then show it to someone else. I think this is what he was capable of at the time. It wasn't that he was rushed. And, and yeah. what he said is basically when he's drawing – he draws at the same speed all the time. He's just a fast artist. He is a fast artist. Yeah, he's very, very. Uh, he's he's got a reputation for like Kirby could, producing a lot. I think he said he could do two or three pages a day. Yeah, and he was able to do it with giving finer detail than what Kirby did uh, initially. It was it wasn't until Kirby got down to one book a day or one book a month that you actually got to see the level of detail he was capable yeah. of putting in his stuff. Yeah, but there were times when Kirby was putting out what four, five, six books at a time. Right. And, but they were all looked very, very rushed, as you would say. Well, I would think, and just speaking from someone who draws himself, that if you know he has to look at this and know that looks wrong. So he, if he can't draw it the way he wants to, he would have. I think he would find another way to draw a different perspective or a different angle or just change the, the hand. Because look at the top left panel where she's just starting to flame on. And look how well her left hand is drawn. The right hand is... Looks like I don't know what, like a clawed stub or something. But the left hand is very well drawn. Yeah. And if he can do that, the skill level, what can't he do? That's at Those the bottom. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't speak for him. I don't know, but I can tell you this upper right panel on on page twenty nine. Yeah. The 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 guy looks like Obi Wan. Yes, he does. 
<laughs> yeah, even more so in the colorized version. He looks like the Carmine Infantino version of Obi-Wan. Or uh, maybe it was Al Williams. I don't remember. But again, those fingers uh, with those huge fingernails on the, the top left panel. That, well, uh, that was definitely where his weakness lie. The well, better to look- hold the lightsaber. <laughs> But it looks like he's trying to ape Kirby because when you see people try to draw in Kirby's style, they do that yeah. with the fingers. That very flat, almost paper-like finger that Kirby would draw. Yeah, yeah. And then you get that beautiful rocket. Now, uh, that's got the stasis pod that sends her up in orbit, you know. But if you look at it on the, the colored one, it, it looks like a baby bottle with a nipple on top. <laughs> And the very nice lift off from the bottom. I like that's, that with all a, the smoke and crackle. That's a great shot. And then you get a uh, another Asian Johnny Storm, or so, I don't know what mm. something. Is that who that is? Is it Johnny Storm? Watching that's, it take that's, off. That's Doctor Storm. That's Doctor Storm. Johnny, okay. Doctor John Storm. Yeah. Okay. And he's the one that's watching it take off because the uh, the father's died at this point. And the the thing is, like when they colored and inked it, it it's really really weird. It, it looks like we're looking through a fog. At, at him and he's of course got the one hand over his head shadowing his his eyes yeah and that lends to a little bit of what's going on with his face but uh still it's no nah, it, it still looks really really odd all right so the next page of course is the last page of the story um and uh reed tells basically he shuts off the intercom telling her to uh, we'll do what we can to help you. You need some rest. And Johnny's like, Reed, what can we do for her? And he goes, send her back into orbit, lad. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, just basically, I'm going to give up. It, it reminds me of that uh, episode of Star Trek where Jordy created Dr. Moriarty in the holodeck. And yeah. uh, they said that they were going to, you know, we'll find a way to get you out of here at the end of the episode. Then they leave him and they forget about they it. They turn him off. Well, yeah, you- that, that, that was it. You know, they. <laughs> That was it. Then he comes back. Oh, later. you're talking about Moriarty? No, they trapped him. They trapped him intentionally in a cube to no, prevent that was, him. That was a, a later episode, Chip in the Bucket. Oh, I'm talking okay. about the very the first episode, and, and, and I mean that's what brought about that that later episode. Like one of the writers said, "Hey, we never did follow up on this. I wonder what he would think." Hey, I got an idea. He's pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they he, they said that he had been conscious the whole time within the computer. Yes. All right. Well, going back to this, though, uh, you know, the thing is, it's funny. The the bottom four panels of that just strike me as being a juxtaposition of something else. Now, the, the bottom three panels are a juxtaposition where it would be Johnny normally watching Ben lumber off because he's upset about his lot in life and what's happened to him and all that. But here's Ben watching Johnny walk off. Yeah, it's a little all we need is the Hulk lonely, lonely man music. Yeah. <laughs> but the the picture above where where Johnny is is talking to Reed, trying to say there's got to be some way you can help her. I I swear I've seen that, but somebody else begging like that. I just I just can't recall where I've seen that before though, like that. You've probably seen another burn. The new under the sun. Yeah, I'm oh, still my- trying to figure out what the shadows are doing in this one here. You've got all these weird shadows around Reed and Johnny. Yeah, it's like the symbiote back there. Yeah, <laughs> the Spider-Man symbiote. <laughs> the symbiote. Yeah. It's, just, it's him escaping <laughs> from the containment field. My question is where in this, okay, this is our Earth. This is 616 right. Earth. 
At this time, where's Crystal? Is she missing? Why is Johnny so upset? There's still a Crystal on this Earth. Crystal is within humans. At that time, I believe they're in the Himalayans. So, okay. Why is he, like, I can understand if this Crystal, our Crystal was dead, and suddenly he, she yeah, comes, they, Selman they, comes they, in. Uh, it's there. There was a throwaway line early in the story where C- Reed says, "I know this isn't our crystal because I just spoke to her on the phone." Huh. But there was nothing about trying to make her come see them or, or anything like that. Well, and I think that 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 was a wise thing not to have her there because that would confuse the story even right, more. Right. Um. You know, just it, trying to follow it from a pencil perspective, it was still pretty hard. But it, again, like as Frank was saying, here's what he did at the age 23. And I look at that and I'm just like amazed at what he was able to do back then. And this is a, you know, it's not the greatest story, but it's a, it's a, a fun story. It's a good find uh, in, yeah. in, in this. And I don't think there are many Fantastic Four fans or Burn fans that have probably seen this story. And considering at this point in time, he's not doing any more comic book stuff except for the Fumetti's of Star Trek that he's doing at IDW, you know, any burn you can find, any burn Fantastic Four, or any superhero stuff that you can find from him is, uh, you know, a good find. So I, th- I figured this would be a yeah. fun thing. Yeah. Well, he was he was so prolific that I'm still finding stuff of his that I've never seen or never never read. So I'm always finding new burn. Yeah. If, if I could find stuff from before he started working on Superman – uh, that's, that's the area I'd like to find stuff. And I think I've got everything. I don't have all his X-Men. I picked up one at the con over the weekend Yeah, uh, in Georgia. I picked up X-Men 116. Mm. That's right you went there. To Georgia? I went to uh, a little con. I went to Jekyll Island, which is on the coast of Georgia, right about an hour north of Jacksonville. And oh, okay. I went to, uh, really to meet with some other guys that do, Podcasts on this group that uh, Brian and I are on. It was Scott Rifen and Jeff Doak and Ron uh, Sabowski. And so, are you going to be on Dinner for Geeks? We recorded a show when I was there. We ate at a place called uh, Locos, and Scott recorded it. So, if he releases it, we'll be. And it was what was so wild about it was because it's their show is basically them sitting down to to, to eat dinner and just talk, just shoot the crap about whatever they're talking about. Yeah. That's what we did. So it was like. Okay, I'm listening to the show, but I'm on the show. It was very surreal. <laughs> yeah, I can hmm. imagine. And is uh, now who is it that's always said, "What's it called? What's it called? What's it called?" That's Ryan. Ron? That's, that's Ryan. Ryan. Okay. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. That's that's fun. Good. I'm, I'm glad you got to do that. Oh, it was a great time. That the con was not bad. It was small, but it turns out that the guy that put it on, I guess, lost some money. This is at least, of course, according to Rife, and that it may that may be the last year. So. <laughs> I yeah. showed up and they closed the con down. So, <laughs> hey, uh, bear with me for just a moment, Frank. Um, yes. Yeah, you know, he mentioned X Men one one sixteen. You correct me if I'm wrong. I think I read this one at your house. Um, possibly. It was a, one in the Savage Land. Mm-hmm. And uh, golly, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty sure that that I read this one at your house. Um, the one where they heat Colossus up in front of the to red hot color. Oh, it's got a great cover. I love the cover on that. Issue. Yeah. But oh, yeah. I think you're right. And I think, Cause I, I, think I, I might even know what box that's in. Yeah. The, the same day that, uh, I, that I read this comic book over at your house is the day. I think you showed me the Hulk 181, which was the first appearance of Wolverine. Right. Yeah. I think I know what boxes is in. 
it's in my it's in my storage. I have a storage facility within the uh, within my apartment complex. And, oh, uh, nice. Yeah. I think I think there's uh, I think that I know which box that's in. Yeah, I'm lucky enough. My wife lets me have a toy room. Keep all my stuff in. <laughs> well, that's nice. My house right now is a morass of untidiness and everything everywhere as we're going through a remodel. And so in my office, I've got boxes from the bathroom and boxes from the back bedroom. And I'm redoing my shed out, storage shed out back so I can put more stuff in there and get more room back for myself. Hmm. Is it a rigid hive of scum and villainy? No, no, I live here. <laughs> well, uh, so it's, do we have any last thoughts on this Fantastic Four story, which was really only kind of like a Fantastic Three or Fantastic Two? Because while Medusa was there, she didn't do a single thing with her hair. She looked. She, she watched. Looked. She watched intently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frank, Frank, you have any last thoughts? Uh, just that uh, I I expected to, um, uh, at the end of this, have you guys both going, what are you, crazy? Um, and that uh, my opinion of early burn is uh, better than I expected it to be. Oh well, yeah, I, I can definitely say I was I was impressed with that considering the age and considering that at, at the time that it was because when we look at some of his early work that goes on at, at Marvel, his Iron Fist stuff, uh, the the work in Dracula, and um, the stuff that he did at uh, Charlton, that there are things in here that he did that, are, that you know show to be better than some of that. Yeah. I think that other stuff you might have been. Look, either still looking for his style, or maybe like in the Dracula story that we were going to yeah. cover, but didn't look like he was trying to kind of mimic either a house style or not not his style. He hasn't he hadn't come out with his version of the way he draws things, but yeah, and 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 definitely he got um, inked over by an inker whose style yeah. Rudy Rudy Nerby's yeah his style did not complement Burn's style at all, and I think that. Whoever was editing that did a heavy, heavy edit on it because there was only two pages there where you saw anything that looked, looked like, like burn, burn, like art. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's because he, if you look at any of his stuff from even from Iron Fist on, when he first really started first doing Marvel, it looks so well done and so polished that you think, okay, he's always drawn this way. So when you go back to see his earlier stuff, you think, well, haven't you always been this good? And it's odd to see that no, he had to develop and grow just like everybody else. He didn't come out of the, you know, he wasn't born this talented. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I think he was born talented. He well, just needed, uh, he needed his, uh, he needed to come into his own. Right. And, uh, and he, these were explorations into coming into his own. Like, I have to tell you, one of the things that I, one of the scenes that I like, you've already made comment on, I didn't want to pile on at the time, but page seven in the lower left, right hand or left hand corner, I thought that 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 picture of the thing is probably one of the best. Uh, that and the one directly above him. I I really liked those pictures of his face. I thought those were some of the probably in in my mind uh, some of the some of the best representations of the thing that I probably I think I've ever really seen. Brian, do we have anything? Uh, any final thoughts on uh, this little no. known, undiscovered little gem from John Byrne? You know, I, 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 it was a treat to find it. It was like, you know, opening up a, a Christmas present, really not knowing what you're going to get. Um, 
So I, I enjoyed it for what it was and uh, glad I found it and glad I could, you know, surprise somebody else and share it with somebody else. Yeah. You too. know, maybe maybe there are a lot of people out there that already know about this. They've read it or whatever. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, maybe there's somebody out there that just discovered it for the first time and they're like, wow, check this out. Well, know, we're, so. we're going to assume nobody knows about it and that we are introducing it to the world for the first time. And <laughs> I, I will say I will say right here and right now. Um we haven't gotten an email or a review on iTunes or anything, not, not even a recipe since that very first one. Right. We need some more recipes. I know. We need something. You know, send us, send us your, your story. Send us your, your thoughts about hate crimes, you know, something that you like to do to somebody else like Dan DiDio <laughs> or, <laughs> uh, you know, just, just whatever. Send us, send us something cool. Send us know? a suggestion for what you'd like us to cover. And an upcoming show. Yeah. Tell us what we're doing wrong. If you think we're doing, if you know, think, if you th I mean, I'd hate, I mean, for, at worst, I would hate to think that we're boring. I mean, at least if we're a terrible podcast, somebody could at least write in and say, well, we think you should do A, B, or C instead of just, yeah. you know, boring them to death. And if anything, just, you know, pop us in, you know, just uh, get on Facebook and under where we've posted the, the new episode, you know, just give us a, you know, a little whatever you think about it. We'd like to know. Yeah. We are listening. Well, no, we're not. They are listening. <laughs> we're reading. We, we are talking. Yeah, so we're talking right now, but we'll be reading later, whatever you write. That's right. All right. Well, I think we, uh, we've we kind of explored this as much as we can. I want to thank Frank for you for coming on, and I think you should come on again for some other you and Brian can cook up something else, or we can, or you can suggest something. If you're, I don't know if you're a Burn fan or I'd not. I'd like that. Yeah. Well, you know, as I said, next year's the fiftieth anniversary of Star Trek, so there's gonna be a lot of Star Trek going on next year. Yeah. And I, I, I I'm betting that Frank has not seen any of the new visions. The I have not the Fumetti books, and I bet you probably haven't read Romulan the 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 Romulan story or the crew story or Doctor McCoy. Uh, frontier, doctor. frontier, frontier, doctor, doctor, doctor. that, uh, all these are stuff that John Byrne did for IDW, all Star Trek related, uh, material, the Fumetti, you know, what the Fumetti is right. No, it's basically, do you remember when, uh, after Wrath of Khan came out, they did a, a picture novel where they had basically right. pictures and they did it like a comic book where they put the words and everything to it. And right. it was like watching the movie in picture book format. Well, what Burns doing is he's putting together new original series stories, and he's using a computer program, much like Photoshop, to redesign the scenes, move the characters about as he needs to. So you're getting uh, a, a like a photo novel type story, but much much better. It's an original story. Uh, you're seeing the characters as you remember them back then, and it's you know a new thing. Uh, he's done a Harry Mudd story. He's done, he's done, done several really good stories. He even did, uh, one where they revisited, uh, the, the Gary Mitchell episode where no man has gone before. Huh. Yeah. He's okay. done a, um, he's done a Borg one. Yeah. He's Borg done, episode. Um, I think he's done a mirror, mirror, a mirror universe one. Yeah. There was a mirror universe one. And there was also what are little girls made of a follow up to that one. Yeah. yeah. With the androids. Yeah. You know, and there's one he does them about every two months, right? Yeah, It'll come it, out a month. I think it's every two months. It's an effort. It takes some time to get each one out because he has to to you know learn how to do certain things within the the programs he's using, and create. Of course, whenever he's creating something new, he can't 
just draw it. He, he doesn't do the drawings anymore. Everything is done on the computer. Uh, and, and so he's, you know, sitting there learning to rebuild the stage, learning to refigure his cameras. Well, he's having to go out and find yeah. the kind of sample he has to go and find. He Kirk in this costume looking this way. So he has to go through and, oh, I guess all the, he's just going through all the original series and pulling out, you know, sampling the images he needs. Mm-hmm. But then he manipulates them as he needs to. Right. So it, it's pretty interesting. Uh, it, it's, you know, they're good reads, all of them so far. I, there hasn't really been what I would call a clunker of a story. Um, and, but before he did those, he actually did uh, a number of, you know, his artwork on um, several stories. There was a very, a very good series that he did that was on the, the Romulans where he basically told all the Romulan episodes from the Romulan point of view. <coughs> Excuse me. And so you got to see all the stuff that happened around before and after the episode Balance of Terror or the uh, Enterprise incident. Uh, you got to see all the stuff that went behind the scenes with the Romulans that brought about those particular, you know, uh, episodes. Huh. Yeah, they're, they're pretty well, I good. I would be very interested in that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Maybe, maybe possibly the you would, Brian, you had talked about doing a possible film commentary. Maybe that's something Frank might be interested in. Definitely, definitely. Yes, yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely would like to do uh, a commentary at some point. But I, I mean, wh- what do you think we should do a commentary of? Well, you'd mentioned uh, Days of Future Past. That ti- that yes. certainly ties in with Burn. Yeah, because he, he definitely wrote the the original uh, uh, story for that. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed. I can to doing... tell you that I've not actually seen that movie yet. Really? Oh. Yes. Oh, interesting. Uh, it's on my it's on my list to to watch, and so. At some point in time in the near future, I'll. I'll you have you have watched First Class, right? Nope. Oh. No. Wow. I did not. I've not watched any of the. I know what I'm getting the, you for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it's on Netflix now, isn't it? Don't know. Uh, I know. Uh, I don't know. Probably it's on Netflix. I'm checking. You certainly rent the video, but I don't know if it's streaming or not. Okay. I've seen all. I saw them. I don't own Days of Future Past because it wasn't as. Enamored with that one as I thought first class was. I really liked first class, but it didn't. Few days of future past was a little. Hmm. Yeah, they don't. I wasn't thrilled have, about it. They don't appear to have it on Netflix just yet. Yeah, I well, would, I'm sure it's uh, rentable. Oh yeah, streaming rentable. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to doing either. Honestly, even the the last one that we kind of dogged on, or the first two Fantastic Four movies. Yeah, I, I I would definitely like to do the Fantastic Four movie, the, the Tim Story ones. Yeah, yeah, I'm not opposed to that because I enjoy those. And they definitely draw from a lot of Burn yeah. and Kirby influence. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, so, but uh, so I, that I, means I, I have th- to watch it. Yeah, but yeah. but see, if we do the commentary, I think that we should do it together rather than doing it over Skype like the like the other guys do. Yeah, we could do that. It's easy. Just meet someone's house, and I've got my digital recorder. We set that up, and boom. Yeah, that way there's not a lot of editing involved. Awesome. Okay, cool. All right, guys. Well, I think we've said everything we need to say on on the air. Um, Just uh, please send us some uh, emails, some uh, notifications, or some uh, Facebook messages or iTunes reviews. And uh, if you're going to shop from Amazon this Christmas season or any season, be sure to use the link on the Two True Freaks homepage. Uh, It doesn't cost you any more, and we do get a little cut of what you buy. And uh, that helps keep the lights on. Yep. I've done some of my shopping 
this Christmas. Actually, quite a bit of it through Amazon, and I went through the Choo Choo Freaks site. So excellent. All right. Anything else? Uh, no. Oh, I, would, I wanted to thank you guys for letting me come on. Oh no, it, it was a blast. I'm glad. Uh, it's always. I mean, me, me and Brian have fun doing this, but it's always fun to have somebody come else, somebody else come on and just kind of share the experience. And you know me, I, I enjoy getting people together. Yep. Something, something I learned from Sean Kaufman. <laughs> Praise be his name. Just like Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise yeah. be his name. Yeah. Why they say that, I don't know. <laughs> Is that a Michael Bailey copyright? I think that that may be. Okay. Or either, either or him or Andrew, Andrew Leyland. Yeah. You better write him a check. All right. <laughs> Once again, thanks to Frank Canepa for joining us uh, for Third Degree Burn. My name is Brian Hughes. I'm Tim Elliott. And y'all have a Merry Christmas. That's right. Happy New Year. <laughs> Good Happy night. Kwanzaa. And Hanukkah just ended, right? Uh, I don't know. It's Mahanakwanza. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, what's what's that voodoo holiday they have this time of year? I don't I'm just know. Kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. <laughs> Good night. The Fantastic Four, featuring The Thing, Mr. Fantastic, Human Torch, Invisible Girl, together for the first time in one mighty magazine. I, I can't turn invisible fast enough. How can we stop this creature, Torch? Just wait and see, sister. The Fantastic Four have only begun to fight. The three of you can't do it alone. It's time for the thing to take a hand. It'll take more than ropes to keep Mr. Fantastic out of action. Here they are. Dr. Reed Richards, Ben Grimm, Susan Storm, Johnny Storm. The Fantastic Four. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. If you're interested in any of the books we cover in the show, just head over to tutufreaks.com and use the Amazon link to shop. This doesn't cost any extra, but it really helps support the shows. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn.